the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. To you, thanks for joining us as we get underway at seven minutes past the hour of nine o'clock on this Wednesday. It is the seventh morning of the eighth month of the year of our Lord 2019, and uh, we have a lot of really important things to discuss today and a couple of very important people with whom we will discuss them. Uh, coming up in about less than a half an hour, Chris Long, Pastor Chris Long, uh, will be joining us uh, to discuss uh, a very important piece of legislation in the city of Medina that is going to be of great interest if, uh, uh, to you if you are a person of faith and if you are a person who believes in liberty, especially religious liberty. Pastor Long with the Ohio Christian Alliance will be joining us at 935 to share that story. Coming up at 10.05, yes, it's uh, the best kind of Kersenau. It's unexpected Kersenau. You didn't expect him on a Wednesday because Peter usually joins me on a Tuesday. He was uh, busy with clients yesterday, but he is good to go at 10.05 today. He will join us at the top of hour number two to discuss all things about the shootings. That's right. He is uh, laser locked in on what happened and moreover, what is being done to demonize and blame the President of the United States in a way that no president has ever been blamed for mass shootings uh, in this country's history, and particularly in this country's recent history of uh, increased numbers of mass shootings. And the, the increased numbers, it should again be pointed out, um, are, are legitimately increasing, particularly in the eight years of the Obama administration. During those eight years, uh, President Obama became a master at giving the condolence after a, condolences after a mass shooting speech. Uh, excuse me, a ma he's became a master at giving the condolences speech after a mass shooting is what I'm trying to say. He uh, uh, watched 24 of those things happen during the course of his time as president. And I think the number is exactly zero in terms of the number of times that the media and or political opponents blamed him for the shootings. No one blamed him for the shootings. 
That's important to know. And that's because it would be silly. It would be stupid to blame the president for the insane actions of other people when it comes to mass shootings. Now, one might say, and I'm going to I'm going to go down a road here that you know may not be particularly popular, but um so be it. I want to share this with you. There was a point in the Obama presidency, which you may or may not recall, that some of us, myself included, did blame the president for actions taken by other people as it pertains to his incessant anti-police, pro-Black Lives Matter, race-baiting. There had been, and continues to be today, an anti-police atmosphere that I think was generated and started in 2014 while Barack Obama was president, and Ferguson Missouri happened. When Ferguson happened, the death of Michael Brown, as he tried to attack and kill police officer Darren Wilson, and the lie was told by Michael Brown's friend, later, much later, after all of the protests and the anger and the rage happened, he later retracted the um, hands-up-don't-shoot narrative. The suggestion being that Michael Brown stood there with his hands up in broad daylight and said, please don't shoot, and Officer Darren Wilson just cold-bloodedly shot him anyway. Now, that was a lie. And again, it was admitted by Michael Brown's friend who was with him at the time. But it it, it ran as the truth long enough for the country to become extremely racially polarized. And Barack Obama, siding with... Michael Brown, siding with Black Lives Matter, siding with uh, those who wanted to demonize police by sending some six to eight members of his of his administration as a delegation to the funeral for Michael Brown, who was a, a, a thug, a criminal, a thief and an attempted cop killer. We did at that time. There's a reason I'm rehashing all of this. Bear with me. I always have a reason for things. We did at that time say that anti-police attitudes had shifted. We did say that police officers were becoming more and more targeted by uh, particularly people of color and particularly by the American left of all colors. Um, The anti-police attitude directly went back to Barack Obama's statements, his speeches, and his his decisions, essentially. He decided to be the anti-cop president. He started it, of course, when Professor Gates from Harvard um, came home, uh, could not get into his own home. A neighbor did not know who it was, called the police on him and said, it looks like somebody's trying to break into the professor's home over there. And the police showed up and said, hey, I need ID. And he, of course, uh, resisted all of that, and how dare you, blah, blah, blah. I would, I'm being profiled as I try to go into my own house. You remember the story. Barack Obama declared it to be racism on the part of the police. The police acted stupidly, he said. And that, I think, did lead to an ongoing, to this very day in 2019, anti-police attitudes being, uh, being expressed by a lot of very, very stupid people by a lot of people who just have uh, a lot of rage and a lot of anger. And they treat cops accordingly. 
The police have never recovered, I don't think, from those. There were a multitude of incidents. Of course, Trayvon Martin, remember? President Obama. If I had a son, he would look just like Trayvon. So George Zimmerman killed my son, or the the son that I might have had. Uh, Again, ginning up and anger and racial division. That's precisely what President Obama did. And that divided the country in a huge way. And we pointed that out, that he is responsible for a lot of the anti-police and a lot of the racial division going on. Now, let's talk about what we didn't do. We didn't blame him because of the insane actions of Adam Lanza, who decided he wasn't going to be involuntarily committed uh, for his psychological issues by his mother. And when he found out that she was going to commit him, she he stole her weapons, killed her, then took those weapons to Sandy Hook Elementary School and shot up a bunch of little kids. We didn't blame President Obama. Why? Because it would be stupid to blame President Obama. We blamed the shooter. We blamed the shooter, and that's it. We didn't blame President Obama for any of the 24 mass shootings that took place during his time as president. But fast forward to today, and you just heard our newscast at the top of the hour, did you not? President Trump is going to visit El Paso and Dayton, and he's going to be met with hostility when he gets there. Because some blame the president for his racially divisive language, according to them, for inspiring mass shooters. Which is absolutely insane by the manifesto of the El Paso shooter himself, who wrote that his feelings predated Trump. This is something he has thought about for a very long time, this confused, demented, white supremacist. And people are saying, well, since he's a white supremacist, and we have gone on the record talking about Democrats in Congress and Democrats on the presidential trail in the cesspool of candidates, we have decided that Donald Trump is a white supremacist and a racist. Therefore, somebody who commits white supremacist murders was inspired by Donald Trump. The problem with that narrative is that it's a lie. It is all a lie. Not some of it. All of it. Has Donald Trump been insulting to his political opponents? Yes. Has Donald Trump attacked his political opponents and critics? Yes. Has President Trump attacked the media, particularly the media, that is indeed exactly what he has called fake news. Those who run with stories that are half-truths, those who editorialize inside of their quote-unquote journalism to try to make the president look bad because they hated the fact that he beat Hillary Clinton? Yes. All of those things are true. But in no way are any of those things even remotely racist or white supremacist or white nationalistic. In zero ways, mind you. The left seems to have decided, as I've explained on this program many times over the last few weeks about that uh, most recent um, survey, 
The left seems to believe that whenever a white politician criticizes a person of color, the motive is the color. The motive is, I don't like that person's color, I'm going to criticize them. The motive is racism. That's what they decided. One in three Democrats believe that, according to a recent Rasmussen survey. 33%. That's not a small number. That's not a small number. It means if you have a million Democrats, there are 333,000 of them who believe, or 330,000 of them, who believe that if you criticize somebody who's a person of color, it's because you're a racist, not because of the issue at hand. You're not criticizing them because of the policy difference. You're not criticizing them because of the ideology. You just don't like brown people, black people, minorities. That's what they've done. That's what they have done. They have, they have made that the new rule of law. Well, Donald Trump has criticized black people and brown people. Clearly, he must be a racist. He criticized Ilhan Omar. Well, it's because he hates Muslim women from Somalia. Because of their race and their religion. He criticized Alexandria Damasio Cortez. Oh, it's because he hates Latinos. He criticized Elijah Cummings in Baltimore. Well, it's because he hates black people. But the problem with that is, in no way, shape, or form has he specified any of those things having anything to do with their race rather than their rhetoric or their job performances. And what they leave out of this ongoing discussion of the president's white supremacy and white nationalism and his, and his racism is the massive long list of white people that he has publicly insulted and attacked, either preemptively or in response, preemptively or reactively. A massive list of white people that he has gone after. Because he doesn't go after people based on race. He goes after people based on ideology and the fact that they are political opponents of his. In other words, he's a politician. Because that's what everybody does. Except he is the only one who is called a white supremacist when he does it. That narrative must change. Kirsten now is going to join us to talk about that at the top of the second hour of the program in about 10.05, You're going to want to be a part of that conversation. You can join me now on your own as a part of the conversation at 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Pastor Chris Long of the Ohio Christian Alliance coming around, too, at about 9.35. Stay right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Back after this. It's the Bob France Authority here on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 925 now. The Bob France Authority continues on AM 1420. The answer. We're uh, analyzing a lot about what the president and uh, uh, the leadership in El Paso, Texas, and in Dayton, Ohio are doing today. They're going to meet. And it's going to be a little bit contentious, could be a little bit hostile, according to many, including Robert Francis O'Rourke, the Irishman, who is a former uh, congressman from El Paso, Texas, now a member of the cesspool, but he's uh, homogenized. He's stuck at 1%, 2%, somewhere in that neighborhood. He might even be skim. 
He might be at 0% in the latest polls, but he's trying his best to uh, increase those numbers as he runs for president. Robert Francis O'Rourke, of course, uh, likes to go by Beto because he took some letters from Robert and O'Rourke and made up a name that made him sound more Hispanic so that he gets a little bit more Latino street cred. Uh, we will not allow him to do that. It is ridiculous. He's an Irish kid from Texas, and um, he's, uh, he's demented. He is suffering from Trump derangement syndrome as badly as anybody can suffer from it. Robert Francis O'Rourke has told the President of the United States he is not welcome in El Paso and he should not come today. Now, he's been countered by uh, by uh, the mayor of El Paso who said the President is indeed welcome and we should all join hands and be unified in our attempt to heal and also in an attempt to find ways to stop uh, these attacks from happening again. That's the correct approach because the President is indeed signaling and calling for unity. There's, there's no question about it, but Robert Francis O'Rourke doesn't want him there. And I think it's important to note, personally anyway, that this is the first time, I think, Robert Francis O'Rourke has ever attempted to uh, stop someone from crossing an El Paso border. Uh, he doesn't want President Trump coming in. He wants President Trump staying out of El Paso. He's inc- discouraging from crossing the El Paso city limits. It's the first time he's ever tried to keep somebody out of El Paso, and I think that should be noted. And I think you'll understand what I mean by that. Let me get a call in here before the bottom of the hour. Todd in Cleveland, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Todd, go right ahead. Yo, Bob, nope, none of the, not this president or any of the presidents before are responsible for the raising or the lowering of gun violence on a massive level in this country. That is the truth. Amen. What we, what we have a problem with in this country are the following four things. One, we don't have a massive acceptance of embracing strict elementary standard English language free from innuendo when receiving a point and delivering a point. If we did that, that would help a lot. We have a large acceptance, the highest level of acceptance in this country's history, of malicious confusion mongering. I'm being strict in my language, malice with evil intent, okay? And that is complicating that is complicating the um, ability to diffuse anger in this country. Third, we all have this issue in this country as far as the media goes. Um, slanderous acts through verbal persuasion. That is a major issue. And then this last thing. If we were more accepting of the value of healthy pursuits based on an accurate assessment of the facts of people who are pursuing good things in life versus popular opinion, which may or may or not be founded, this country's gun violence would go down drastically because people would be more likely to ask questions before they got to the point where they developed the anger that motivates them to consider the possibility of committing violent acts of crime such as gun violence. Now, this is the truth. This is just me and you talking. We middle-aged dudes, okay? You a little further along than I am, but we're middle-aged. Oh, you dudes. had to do that. You had to. You had to take the shot. <laughs> yeah, but we, but we middle, but we middle-aged dudes, though, man. We we could talk about this reasonably on a broadcast such as this and acknowledge that if we just accepted those things and uh, that are error and that one thing that I think that we should be embracing, those two things that I think we should be embracing. I mean. This will move. This will move gun violence down drastically because it wouldn't get that far. Not not the politicians, not the politicians, the private sector, the public, the voters, the kids in school, the parents. 
You know what I mean? You with me, man? Well, I'll tell you what. I'm with you uh, a large part of what you're saying. Um, I, I think it may be a little bit uh, aggressive in terms of your belief that that's all it would take. Uh, I, th- I think that's... I'm sorry? Most. Most. Okay, most of what it would take. Uh, that would. I'll, put, I'll go with you this way, Todd, and thanks for the call, my friend. Uh, it certainly would help and go a long way. I think those four things, and i got to go back and, 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 and think about all of them a little, in a little more depth before I comment too much further on it, but it would help. Would it be a panacea? Would it be something that solves all of the problems with respect to this and prevent them? No, it would not. I don't think there's any one-size-fits-all thing that does that, but I really do like the, 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 the way that you're thinking about it, and I appreciate the phone call. All right, 935 now. We continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget Peter Kersenow, uh takes over at 10.05. Then take over. He's not going to host for me, but he might as well, uh, because I'm just going to let him roll. He has a lot to say about the allegations of white supremacy against the president of the United States and the irresponsible journalistic malpractice uh, that is... Uh, that is being done by the uh, mainstream media in advancing that ridiculous notion. But uh, for now, I want to turn away from that, and let's go more local. And we're going to talk about what's going on in the city of Medina. The um, public accommodations provision in a city ordinance that was passed in the Medina City Council would result in negative impacts for the city of Medina and its residents. The ordinance states to prohibit discriminatory conduct on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity or expression. This is all on the Ohio Christian Alliance website, uh, which you can find at ohioca.org. And this all comes from Pastor Chris Long, who is the president of the Ohio Christian Alliance, who will tell us more about what that means on AM 1420, The Answer. Pastor Long, good morning, sir. How are you? Well, thank you, Bob. Good to be on with you this morning. Always a pleasure to talk to you. I uh, I wish we uh, had an occasion to talk about less uh, <laughs> serious matters uh, and disturbing matters, uh, Chris, but uh, uh, you are on top of these things like nobody else, so I'm always ready to give you a forum here on this program to talk about them. So uh, let's, let's dive into this. Give us the background on what this ordinance is in the city of Medina, and then tell me what it is that the Ohio Christian Alliance is doing now to, uh, to try to uh, bring some sanity to the situation. Well, that's right. What we're doing is assisting a group of local citizens who are concerned about this ordinance in their community, the city of Medina. Now, the county of Medina, of course, is a conservative uh, stronghold, actually. Uh, When you look at the election season, it's a red county, uh, very uh, conservative. But the city of Medina, uh, actually three cities are in Medina. That's Brunswick, Medina, and Wadsworth. And the city of Medina... Uh, it's kind of a blend, and on city council, there is they run nonpartisan races, but in all reality, there's four Democrats, one independent, two Republicans. Uh, I think there's a Republican mayor and then a finance director and a city law director. All that said, uh, for the last number of months, uh, a group called Equality Ohio, this is a group that I kind of square off against down in Columbus, uh, civilly, we d- differ on public policy. They're a pro-homosexual group, uh, advancing homosexual rights in their view. Uh, we, of course, are defending religious liberty, and uh, we differ with them on public policy. Uh, we don't d- disagree with them on discriminatory nature of anybody. As we all have our equal rights under the law and the Constitution, we uphold that for everyone. But in this regard, this is an ordinance that's comprehensive. It's the full civil rights code. 
uh, it's, it was come to bear on the city council, uh, and they, they basically, they did rush this through. They used to say, well, we've been working on this for months. Well, they didn't include the uh, an all-interested party media, could tell you that from the citizens I've talked to. They weren't even aware that this was happening. But the public accommodation portion of it, nobody's objecting to, obviously, equal opportunity for employment or housing. But the public accommodation right. portion allows for transgender or transitioning individuals to use restrooms, showers, uh, locker rooms, sports programs of their choice, because this also goes then into the city schools. And that's where the parents said, hey, hold off here. Let's have a conversation. We got concerns here. But Congre- uh, the council disregarded in a tone-deaf manner the concerns of the citizens. And back on July 8th, they passed this in a 5-2 to two measure. That's when the referendum effort by a group of citizens, and we're assisting them uh, in this, to circulate petition in the in the community to put it on the ballot. Uh, we were hoping for this November, but I want to give an update to everybody as to what exactly is happening. But let's break it down. Please do. So, uh, basically, the, re- the ordinance is a, a comprehensive ordinance. It's what we call a SOGI law, Sexual Orientation Gender Identity uh, Ordinance. And this is what was adopted in Cauga County, for instance, uh, and some other liberal uh, communities. They've been trying to get this through on the state level, and there's, it's fraught with all kinds of problems for religious entities and individuals, and even just personal people, like what we saw with the Colorado Baker case in, in Colorado. And these, these uh, cases have been cropping up all across the country uh, in violation of someone's individual conscience and rights and religious freedom. And so, in this instance, this would basically... Uh, force the issue in the city of Medina, meaning the public restrooms would be open to all sexes. The uh, public school restrooms, the locker rooms, the showers, the athletic programs. The, where's the privacy for that teenage girl? Where's her rights? Where's her her uh, privacy rights? They were in disregard. They don't that. matter. Her yeah. rights don't matter. Her rights don't matter because she is not a member of this minority-protected class, and if she complains, or if anybody complains on her behalf, well, you're homophobic and you're transphobic and you are trying to discriminate against these uh, against these wonderful people. And it's, uh, Pastor, I'm sorry to interrupt you because you got a great role going here, but it's frustrating to me because that question you just asked is the one that gets... To me, uh, you know, she will expose his anatomy as he changes, or worse, worse than that, somebody who is not necessarily quote unquote trans, but somebody is taking advantage of these new laws to go in and, and engage in predatory behavior. Exactly. It is so dangerous for the little girls that drives me crazy. I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, that's exactly right. You know, we've, we got a lot of, uh, calls in and input from people in the community. We went door to door. We didn't go to just Republican and independent doors. We went to everybody. Because this is a this isn't a partisan issue. This is a community issue. So we went door to door. We talked to everybody, even those who were on the other side. And we made our pitch and there was nearly twelve hundred residents in fourteen days who signed this petition. So the people want to vote on it. They're concerned about it the same way you and I are. Well it's a small group of radicals who are pushing the initiative here uh, led by a few members of the city council. But that, but that said, the referendum status, and I want to give everybody kind of an update. So we will miss the fall ballot because uh, the city finance director, according to the Ohio Revised Code, Section 731.29, has the ability to hold the referendum petitions, which we delivered on the 31st of July. So we were within the 30 days that is needed to get them into them, and our 
signature count, we need 984 good signatures. We turned in 1,173, so we're uh, 190 over what we need. We think we uh, have uh, the amount that we need. That will be vetted by the Board of Elections on August 12th and 13th. That's when he intends to turn them over. So uh, it won't be on the fall ballot, but it will be on the ballot in 2020. Now, here's the thing. The Ohio Revised Code is very... Uh, here's what it says. No such ordinance or measure shall go into effect until the approved by the majority of those voting upon it. Uh, and it quotes the uh, revised code. So, uh, code do not prevent a municipal corporation after passage of any ordinance or any other measure from proceeding at once to give any notice or making any publication required by such ordinance or other measure. So it does not go into effect. Now, on the opposite side, they're causing confusion within the community, and the Gazette is doing a terrible job. That guy, I pointed out to him, I said, you're confusing everybody. Uh, this is Bob Finan. He's the uh, of, uh, reporter down there in Medina, mm-hmm. and he won't tell the whole story. I said, why don't you tell these people the truth? This thing is going to have a, an injunction on it until it's decided by the referendum in 2020. Oh, he said, it's off the ballot in November, and, and so it's uh, causing the people who support this thing to think that, oh, they lost. Well, no, we didn't. Uh, basically, we put a hold on this thing until 2020, and the people will decide. And that's the update we want to give everybody. So it's a victory for the citizens that they were able to secure that many signatures in that short a time. And by the way, this is the first referendum that the city of Medina has had in decades. So it's no small really? task to get a group of people to get get out, because you have to have registered voters in the city of Medina, not the county. So right. you're talking about a very skinny margin of about 26,000 residents, about 9,800 of them that actually voted in the last election, so you need 10% of that. And that's what we were able to secure by securing 1,173 signatures and turn them into the finance director. He'll turn them into the board of election. So we should know a week from now that we've uh, secured enough uh, signatures to be on the fall ballot of 2020. Well, it's one thing, obviously, uh, President Chris Long, president of the uh, Ohio Christian Alliance, Pastor Chris Long, um, it, it's one thing to um, to get it on the ballot. It's another thing to talk about passing. And, and uh, what, have you done or do you plan to do any polling or does this group that you're assisting plan to do any polling to see what the likelihood is of, of getting this uh, referendum passed? You know, they're doing it the old-fashioned way. Uh, you know, it's funny how, like, maybe the media will be against them, and who knows what the plain dealer is going to do and uh, how equitable they'll be or if they're going to be slamming the group for trying to oppose the ordinance. Of course uh, they will. Or the, the Gazette will do the same thing. But people are writing letters to the editor, and they're talking to their neighbors, and that's what we need to do. You know, someone talked to me last night and said, hey, social media is becoming so cumbersome of what you're able to post and communicate it's not as good as it was you know even uh, five years ago uh, because of the algorithms and the kind of things of uh, shadow banning that's going on the old phone tree bob is actually working person to person within a community and when you do have a community and you're talking to one another that's the way they're going to get their message out and like i said when we went door to door uh, that we were actually selling our our position, and people agreed with it. They said, look, I'm not against uh, homosexual rights. If the adults want to do that, that's their own uh, privilege and their own right. But, hey, the kids should be left alone. Give me that petition. I'm going to sign it. So, you know, that was great to get a sampling. So I would say nearly 70% of we went to the door-to-door with were on our side. So I, you know, we feel very confident this is going to pass in 2020. Uh, it's a, by a 60-some percent margin, the referendum will overturn the ordinance. There'll probably be some handbills and things like that they'll go door to door with, 
uh, as time gets closer to the election now that we'll uh, be out, what is it, 15 months from the November 2020 election. Mm-hmm. But in that case, uh, you know, we'll, the ordinance will not go into effect. In the event that this councilman and some of these groups try to push forward, we'll have the, there will be an injunction filed against them, and the court will quickly shut that down because of the Ohio Revised Code. Uh, Pastor Chris Long joining us uh, on AM 1420, The Answer. I want to just hit another element of this um, of this ordinance that is, is very important. Let's suppose for a second that they said, okay, um, we'll we'll relent on the uh, on the uh, you know uh, opposite sex going into the locker room that they identify with and the uh, the uh, restrooms and changing rooms and so on and so forth. Uh, we'll we'll relent there, and in fact, we'll create a special third option, and we'll have uh, this one is for private. You know, it's a private bathroom. There's only one uh, 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 toilet. There's only one shower. There's only one this one that, so that nobody actually has to you know be a, you know exposed to anything they don't want to be. If they even came to some agreement on something like that somehow, some way, the element of this that is still extraordinarily important is the sports element. Young high school girls going to Medina High School who want to compete and who have an opportunity to maybe do extraordinarily well, win conference championships, win maybe state championships, things that can lead to college scholarship opportunities. They will have to compete against biological boys if this thing is is allowed in Medina and in so many other places around this country. That is an element that will not be rectified by coming to an agreement on shower facilities. That has to go. It just cannot be done in the interest of fairness and, quite frankly, in the interest of Title IX, Chris. Well, that's right. And, and see, again, these folks don't want to be reasonable. They want to push the initiative. They're saying, well, my, my boy is not a boy anymore. He is a girl. He will shower with the rest of the girls. They, they don't want to be reasonable. They want to thrust this upon the rest of us. And so let me read this to you from the letter we submitted to council. It says, laws that seek to equate sexual orientation or gender identity, SOGI laws, with classes such as race and sex do so based on ambiguous and undefinable terms. This ambiguity works to their advantage as it helps to disguise the true and underlying and nefarious motivation of such laws. They seek to intimidate by threatening with punitive lawsuits and boycotts those who do not agree with them about their chosen lifestyle. This is, uh, this is the kind of problem. So we talked to business leaders, we talked to members of the clergy and citizens who were intimidated to even come and speak publicly against the ordinance for fear of reprisal, Bob. Mm-hmm. That's why... Yeah. Courage begets courage, and I thank God for the, the people in the community that stood up and started asking real questions of counsel, and as, actually reasonably said, hey, postpone this vote, let's have more of a discussion, let's have more public input, but they disregarded that in a tone-deaf manner, and they went ahead in a 5-2 vote. That's then the right of the people for a referendum, and that's what's happening in the city of Medina. The people will decide by, by ballot in 2020. Yeah, and that's exactly how it should be. And I really hope that the uh, media that you talked about, the Plain Dealer, the Gazette, and, and others are fair about this. But uh, I'm not extraordinarily confident about that. Not holding our breath, are we, Bob? Right, not at all, not at all. All right, uh, Pastor Chris Long has put a lot of information about this uh, this, refer- this petition, this referendum, and this entire ordinance. It's all available, uh, available at the Ohio Christian Alliance website, which is Ohio uh ca.org ohio ca.org check it out there and while you're there we'll always remind people chris um take a look at the d-day prayer uh uh project national news and uh, make sure if you can uh donate a few dollars to make sure that we are able to add the 
D-Day prayer to the uh, World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C., something Absolutely. that the Ohio Christian Alliance continues to work on. And we've got a deadline of 2021 to get all the funds raised needed to have that project done. So let's make sure that if you are on that website, take a look at it, click a link, donate a few dollars if you can do it, because every little bit will help. Um, Pastor Chris Long, thank you, my friend. It's a pleasure thank to you, chat with you, as friend. always. God bless you. And you as Bye. well. Thank you. You got it. All right, that's Chris Long of the Ohio Christian Alliance. It's 951. We'll get a time out here. We'll squeeze a call or two in of yours before the top of the hour. If you dial now, 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110, you will be the bridge to Kersenau, who will join us after the top of the hour on AM 1420 The Answer. Now heard through downtown, through Greater Cleveland, on 102.5 FM. It's the Bob Frank. All right, 955 now, the Bob France Authority. Thank you to Chris Long again for shining a spotlight on what's going on in, in uh, the city of Medina. Peter Kirsten now joins us at about 10.05. Let's try to get a couple of calls in here on AM1420, The Answer. And we'll go to um, North Royalton. Pete checking in. Pete, you're on AM1420, The Answer. Go ahead, sir. Bob, God bless you, and thank you for what you're doing. Thank you, sir. I have to, I have to tell you that. You know what? I, I look at this, and it saddens me. It's like the days of Noah. And I blame, I blame Barack Hussein Obama. He took all this and he put it forward. He, he Europeanized this country. Because all the things that were, you were just talking about with the good pastor, they do it in Europe. They're doing it in Europe. I was there and I saw. And they've removed God from everywhere. And, and they've done it here, too. They've secularized our country. And they look at us like we're weirdos because we believe in Christ. What do you not only... Not only not only do they look at us, uh, you know, cross-eyed because we believe in Christ, they look at us simply because we believe in science. You know, this is the strange thing. They tell uh, those of us who are people of faith that, oh, you're denying science all because of your, you know, your, your mystical faith in, in, in something that may or may not exist. And I'm speaking, of course, of, course, of leftist atheists and those who question that. Uh, but that's the part about this that's so frustrating. When it comes, we're not saying that, that anything bad should happen to people who happen to be gay or homosexual or who have different appetites no, than others. No, no, we're not doing that at all. Not. We are just no. asking for them not to, not to impose their beliefs and their lifestyles upon other people. That is not, you know, and they're, they are the ones who are science deniers. They're the ones who deny the actual human biology and the chromosomes of the human body that tell you what sex you are, what gender you are. And that's the most frustrating thing. It's not just about getting God out there also. They're, they're, they're neither pro-faith nor pro-science. They are just pro-their agenda, and that's it. But do you, do you believe, Bob, that, that Barack Obama put that on the front burner? He, he, we didn't have this before. I mean, I'm 53 years old. I've never, I've, we've never, I think I was in fifth, sixth grade. We didn't even know what a homosexual was. I, I didn't. My friends didn't. I, I won't put it all I won't put it all on the uh, 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 at the feet of Barack Obama. Uh, it, a lot of it because, again, you know, Pete, you you heard him, and we've talked about this at some length. You know, when the president um, came in in two thousand eight, he said, "I am going to fundamentally transform America." You don't fundamentally transform something that you love as it is. He wanted to change it completely, and he began to do so on a number of fronts, including yes, with the LGBTQ uh, and also, um, movement. And also with the- with socialism, with anti-police and anti-authority racism, uh, race baiting. That's right. That's exactly. Right. Exactly right. So, so yeah, it's not all on him. 
It's not all uh, all on him. There are a lot of bad actors that brought us to this place. Uh, but yes, uh, you know, a lot of this started when, you know, when he said he was going to do that. And I'll tell you what, President Trump is doing his best to undo, if you will, and I'll use air quotes for that, the Obama legacy. He, he really is. Uh, so many of the things that Barack Obama did, the president is trying to undo because of the damage they can do to this country. But even he cannot undo this LGBTQ, XYZ, exclamation point, hashtag, uh, question mark. Even he cannot um, undo this, this movement or stop this movement. Because anybody and everybody who opposes anything or everything about it is branded a homophobe and a transphobe. And today, in 2019 America, that's just as bad as being branded a racist. They have declared certain words that are slurs for for homosexuals or people in the LGBTQ movement to be just as as, uh, off-limits as the N-word as it pertains to race. And anybody speaking out against that movement is going to be branded with those, um, you know, with the, those, those accusations of discrimination, homophobia, transphobia, et cetera, et cetera, when all we're trying to do is say, hey, can you please let society... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.